0: Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. This is Donald Green talking about increasing voter turnout through direct personal contact and social pressure. It's a pleasure to talk about the new edition of the Get Out the Vote book, which has been a labor of love for me and for Alan Gerber for for many years. Uh, It grows out of more than 10 years of uh, research conducted by both us and our colleagues, our students, uh, our friends in in both partisan and nonpartisan campaigns. And it's exciting to put together the findings of these uh, various studies into a single package and to address it to a general audience as opposed to an academic audience. So it's written to be accessible. Let me say a few words about what sets this book apart from the usual uh, thing that passes for knowledge in the field of uh, campaign craft, and then say a bit about the leading findings of the book. What sets this book apart is that it is based on randomized experiments. It's as though we were conducting a series of pharmaceutical trials in which registered voters are randomly assigned to treatment and control groups, where the treatment group might get direct mail or phone calls or visits uh, from door-to-door canvassers whereas the control group gets nothing. And at the end of the day, we consult public records, voting records, to see who turned out to vote and who didn't. So we don't rely on surveys or self-reports to gauge who voted. Instead, we rely on hard administrative data. And the transparency and the clarity of this kind of analysis means that it has a kind of special persuasiveness. And that persuasiveness, I think, has fundamentally shaped the way in which candidates and campaigns have uh, crafted their campaigns over over the last few election cycles. I think this book had a big impact especially in its first edition in 2004 in terms of the door-to-door efforts that were seen in the battleground states for the first time campaigns were uh, were, were mobilizing voters knowing that the kinds of tactics that we describe in the book uh, such as door-to-door canvassing uh, were, were effective and I think that that puts political science on a different footing and it puts campaign craft in a different footing. And it continues to grow and grow. The first edition in 2004 reported the results of a few dozen experiments, and the current edition in 2008 reports more than 125 experiments. So what are the main findings? One of the key findings is the distinction between personal and impersonal outreach methods. The book looks at a variety of different tactics, ranging from door-to-door canvassing to phone calls to email, uh, television and radio campaigns, the, the uh, tactics run the gamut from the personal and interactive to the impersonal. Um, and what we find, by and large, is that the more personal, the more effective. So canvassing is more effective than robotic phone call. Robotic phone calls, email, and the highly impersonal tactics that they represent t- t- seem to be uh, relatively ineffective. Um, somewhere in between are volunteer phone banking efforts where volunteers uh, are, in, are engaged in a kind of interactive conversation with voters. Less effective are more mechanical phone banking efforts where telemarketers call uh, voters and read uh, scripts in a kind of rushed and perfunctory way. And this idea that uh, the more personal, the better—you um, know—this this idea basically indicates to us the importance of motivating voters. That the problem with with voter turnout is not uh, re- merely reminding people uh, that it's election day. It's not as though people are simply forgetting that it's election day. It's increasing people's motivation to vote. And when we think about the United States and the fact that it has the second-lowest voter turnout of any Western democracy, uh, we think, well, you know, there were times when when American voter turnout was much higher than it is today. In the 19th century, 80 90% of uh, towns turned out to vote, and part of the difference has to do with the environment in which people voted. And much of our recent research, and the research that I want to discuss in just a moment in the new edition of Get Out the Vote, is trying to find the ingredients that led to higher turnout in 19th century America. And one of those seems to be um, the visibility of uh, votes cast in the 19th century. After all, that was the era before the secret ballot, when people were voting in public. They and their neighbors were often at the polls for hours to see and be seen. People cast votes in, in public. But also it was a time when voting took place in a festive carnival-like atmosphere where the uh, whiskey flowed and it was essentially a a celebratory atmosphere, very different from uh, what has been described as the morgue-like atmosphere associated with uh, contemporary elections. And so we've, in recent years, been exploring what can be done to enhance the the fun aspect, the social aspect of voting, and I'll describe those findings in just a minute. So let, let me say a bit about what's new in the uh, in the latest edition, the two thousand and eight edition of Get Out the Vote. The the, the uh, book, incidentally, um, like the faculty members who wrote it, has been growing a little fatter, and so it's not the svelte volume that it was in two thousand and four. But the ad- additional chapters can consist of uh, chapters of, on the mass media and chapters on uh, social dimensions of voting, things that involve um, events and festivals and the like. So let me say a bit about those findings. One one line of, of research uh, looks at festivals, and, and here we conducted a series of randomized experiments in a variety of towns in collaboration with a, a variety of groups that were uh, local to those communities. Our basic approach was to take uh, a handful of precincts and randomly assign one or two of them to receive a party. The rest would be left alone, and the party consisted of a kind of uh, family-friendly uh, atmosphere, food and free uh, drinks, but these were alcohol-free free drinks in, in contrast to their 19th century counterparts. These were publicized in newspapers and and around, around town with flyers. And the idea was to transform the turnout problem from getting people to go to the polls to getting people to show up to a party that would be at a polling location. And by and large, they were quite successful. I think we have a lot to learn about how to throw an effective party. But that said, uh, there's no question in my mind that this is a potentially attractive tactic to people who want to organize uh, friends who may or may not vote um, or Uh, like-minded members of their um, religious communities or social communities. Uh, This seems like a perfect opportunity to bring to bear the kinds of social networks that I think have been proven to be an important stimulus to voter turnout. The second kind of tactic is a somewhat darker tactic. It it, uh, imposes one of the strongest psychological forces on people, namely social pressure, the feeling of obligation to do a civic duty. Here, we conducted a massive experiment in the state of Michigan in 2006, sending people four different kinds of direct mail. So this is a very large study involving hundreds of thousands of people, a very large control group which received no mail, and then a series of four treatment groups that uh, each experienced a, a progressively greater amount of social pressure. So in the lowest social pressure group, people were simply encouraged to do their civic duty and vote. In the next group, they were told to do their civic duty and vote, but they were also told that researchers would be examining their, their records to see whether, in fact, they did vote. But they wouldn't be contacted in any way. The next uh, gradation is do your civic duty and vote. Voting is a matter of public record. We're going to check on whether you voted. And by the way, here is whether you and your housemate uh, have voted in the last two elections. We'll be updating that after the election. And then the strongest uh imposition of social pressure is do your civic duty, voting as a public act, we'll be uh, monitoring whether you vote, here's whether you and your housemate voted, and besides, here's, here's whether you and 10 neighbors have, have voted, and we'll be sending the same missive to them. And the results were, were explosively uh, large, um, much larger than we and our uh, researcher betting pool had imagined. Um, the effects of the full court uh, press, the neighbor's treatment, if you will, uh, is, is roughly in the order of uh, eight percentage points, which is roughly the same kind of effect that you would expect to find if you had uh, canvassed people door to door. Uh, the self-treatment uh, just just showing people their own voting records is is no slouch either increasing turnout by roughly five percentage points over a base rate of voting in that election of uh, 35 30 percentage points so the 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 importance of this tactic is not to be underestimated and it gives us some sense of of why 19th century elections might have featured such high levels of turnout because after all you were there to see and be seen and once uh, the advent of the secret ballot, uh, made it so that you were no longer uh, seeing and be, being seen. Uh, you could, um, you know, you could avoid the shame that came with uh, with not voting. Other other kinds of uh, chapters of note in the in the book concern mass media, and here we're breaking new ground because although mass media have been around for a long time, they have seldom been the subject of randomized evaluations. And here uh, the the studies of note involve two two recent experiments. One was conducted in 2005 and 2006 involving mayoral campaigns. Uh, here we randomly selected a series of media markets to deploy public service announcements encouraging people to, to vote in the upcoming elections and describing who the candidates were. And then we did the same thing in the context of the 2006 congressional elections, this time uh, on on Spanish-language radio stations, encouraging uh, their listeners to, to vote in randomly selected congressional districts. And the results, especially for the second one, the Spanish-language radio uh, experiment, are, are quite promising, suggesting that this kind of mass media appeal, although it is impersonal, um, reaches such a large number of people at relatively low cost, that it can be viewed as a cost-effective way of increasing turnout. Interestingly, the purpose of that experiment was not only to increase turnout, it was also to see whether uh, leveling the playing field by mentioning the names of both the challenger and the incumbent would um, benefit the, the challenger who has lower name recognition. And interestingly enough, um, the vote totals for those congressional districts bear that out. So that's an interesting finding, suggesting that uh, mass media can, can be influential. And we have similar findings uh, reported in the book about uh, television. Let me conclude by talking about how this research has been used or how it might be, be used. One of the fun things about this book is that we, in the 2004 edition and, and expanded in the 2008 edition, include a description of how one can conduct one's own experiment. And, Much to our delight, uh, a number of people have written us uh, emails about their own experiments, some of which are, are really quite ingenious. and. Um, the the fun thing from the standpoint of us uh, professors is when we can give people a technology that they can use themselves to evaluate their the effectiveness of their own efforts but i think that more fundamentally the the role of the book and the research that has gone into it has been to place on a new level the seriousness with which um, campaigns and campaign craft are evaluated. It used to be the case that no one would ever conduct randomized experiments. Now, randomized experiments have become a kind of standard operating procedure uh, among both partisan and nonpartisan campaigns. And for the first time, campaign consultants and vendors are being held accountable for the services that they sell. And one of the consequences, I think, of this has been a gradual reallocation of effort from uh, largely impersonal tactics, largely mass media-oriented tactics, to more personal face-to-face tactics, as the latter have been shown to be somewhat more cost-effective. And finally, I would say that the, this is ongoing work. It, it's far from the case that we understand every aspect of campaigning, and we are trying to branch into new areas and looking, as always, for partners on both sides of the political aisle, as well as nonpartisan partners, to study a variety of communities that have yet to uh, have have outreach efforts evaluated. And we're always um, eager to train other students and faculty members, and, and uh, non-academics in uh, the practice of research methodology. And so we hold a summer institute each summer at Yale uh, in July uh, designed to uh, convey just that kind of information. So I welcome uh, comments from listeners. Uh, I can be reached at donald.green, G-R-E-E-N, at yale.edu, and I invite your comments. Thank you. That was Donald Green talking about increasing voter turnout through direct personal contact and social pressure.